Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back everybody to Savage to Sage. Today I have the joy of being joined by Mike Reynolds, who is the CEO of Innovate Map and one of the partners there. Mike, welcome. Thanks for having me. This is great. So, Mike, start off with like the origin story of Innovate Map, because I know you're you are one of the pioneers, but you had a team of pioneers. So tell us more about why you got into this journey. Yeah, sorry. I've been in a digital products now 25 years, but my first 15 uh, was in industry, actually playing product roles. I played a variety of product roles um, in industry, actually at software companies. You know, I, I led product at a primo. Um, I would say, I'll, I'll comment this, which is I joined there at its early stage, and that was a wonderful time. That was a wonderful size. I really personally enjoyed wearing multiple hats and and really the energy and the size of the team. So that that I just want to put a pin in that because that'll be important to the Innovate Map story. With with a primo uh, in 2011, we you know got acquired. Uh, at that point, the company was about 350 people in size, with about a hundred people in the software team, and we grew even more during our years uh, with the acquiring company. And um, so basically, at that point, I was getting kind of spoiled uh, having a full product team. I mean, we had a full team of UX designers, product researchers, uh, senior product strategists, product managers, and I, I, we were building great product. Uh, and, I've, and then uh, I was trying to think about what to do next. And being the idea guy, I think a lot of people thought I would start a software company. Uh, but every time, I, and I had a lot of ideas to do so, but what kind of held me back candidly, is I couldn't imagine in that very early stage not having access to a full A-caliber product group. You know, in those early days of a software company, it's you can't W-2 product marketing or a full awesome UX team. And uh, the, the lean, you know, you got to build it and sell it first. You got to have coders. But I, I was just, basically, I didn't build a software company because, uh, because of that. And so then that became the business problem that consumed me. So very bluntly, I built Innovate Map to be the the company that I wish was available to me if I was a startup founder. It was access to an A caliber product team. Uh, candidly, and now that I've been doing this a while, at the time you needed it most. You know, early on, you're obsessing the first few years. You're obsessing about product market fit and anything that you could do to have thought through the feature, prioritized correctly, designed it correctly, and certainly launched it correctly was going to save you a lot of bumps and bruises and learnings. And so that's kind of the firm uh, we created. And uh, uh, I also admit, um, personally, I got excited about the idea of, of helping creating a professional services business in that, in that industry was very appealing to me. I I'd always uh, liked working with clients. I uh, definitely wanted to help. And I just had to, then product happened to be the help that maybe I was equipped to go help with. <laughs> and, uh, and, then I, and then I, going back to my earlier comment, very passionate about helping a group that needed most, which was early stage. And uh, there are a lot of learning since then where we don't just do early stage now. We do a lot of idea from scratch, but we also do a, a lot of renovation work for an existing tech product that wants to take it to another level. Yeah, I've, I've sat across the table for coffee or beers with a number of those startup founders, a lot of whom, you know, work with your team. And the thing I think about is how how lonely that world is for for startup founders. And 
So that's more on the relationship, emotional side. But then secondly, especially if you're working with, you know, a non-technical founder, how difficult that is. They're, they're typically very brilliant people. They have amazing ideas, but with, you know, not having that technical background, it can be very challenging to, you know, to build a software platform and, and to be able to trust the team that you're working with to, to do that. Uh, because, you know, you, you've probably heard more stories than I have of people getting taken va- advantage of yeah. because oh, yeah. they're non-technical. And so I, I think of you all as like, you know, partners or companions to those people in, in that, that startup journey. And so that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely I want to re- love to react to both those audiences because we do serve both. You know, the 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 serial technical co-founder, uh, they get what we're doing. They're asking for it. They know and and we do great work for them. And that's 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 awesome. Uh, probably awesome because they speak our language. But I will tell you the most satisfying client relationships we have are with those non-tech founders because our our help is much more than the work we do. I kind of feel like we play this role of acclimating them into the tech scene or being an advisor on the journey they're about to go through because they've never done it before. You know, they, they, we also like them because they validate quite a bit of the market side on the product market fit. These are people that have been in the industry, personally felt the problem, have a belief that tech is well suited to solve a problem they were feeling. So the market validation is correct. It, they come to us like, yeah, this is a real problem and you probably know your you know first family round friends of customers to sell this to because you've got a network they just don't know product and and you know we can help acclimate them to translating their vision uh, into an idea navigating uh, you know their technical partner that they'll need to have and the value is just greater than the work we do we really become like an advisor or a friend at, at this point that they not only were lonely all the founders are lonely but the non tech founder is lonely and probably scared because uh, it, they're embarking on it, running a tech company, which is a totally different business model than if they were, you know, come from healthcare, coming from education or coming from an analog industry or trade. So uh, we love those. Uh, and it is, you know, like I said, it's very satisfying for us to help them. Our, 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 they really light up and motivate our team. Yeah. I'm thinking about one of them. I, I talked to yesterday um, and I don't want to, I don't want to break client confidentiality if you have it. So, um, but you'll, you'll know this person who works on, you know, a a platform for, for dentists and dental offices. And she speaks so highly of your team um, because of that, you know, that companionship that you've given her, you know, through that, that process coming from, you know, being in like administrative person in in dentist's office to now being, you know, a SaaS founder. That's, that's a big, that's a big jump. It's a huge jump. It's a huge jump and um, delighted to hear that. And, and yeah, those are just great clients for us. And then, and then again, it kind of goes back to like, like we're nearing our 10th anniversary. Uh, it'll be, it'll be in March. And, and it's been very, um, very proud of what we've been able to do and, and stories like that. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. So in Savage to Sage, we, we really dig into what I'd say, like the heart of the founder and, you know, the, the journey that that you have to go through, which is, you know, is full of a lot of bumps and bruises. And so talk first about like those early days, you know, when you, when you first took that jump and we, we call them the savage days. And a lot of people would say, you know, in, in our world as business owners, like the savage days really don't stop. But I think it's, it's especially poignant 
like right at the beginning when you made that jump. So like describe that experience. What what was it like for you? And maybe tell a story or two of Yeah, love it. Love it. And I, I think you worded perfectly. Those were savage days. And I think, you know, are, are you always dealing with challenges? Yes, but that was a different one. That was a survival and create and the loneliness and amount of unknowns really required uh, of me or any other founder, um, just an uncharacteristic grit and, and mostly involved the risk, to be honest with you. I, I always like to make a distinction between entrepreneurial and an entrepreneur. Um, you can be entrepreneurial in any company, you know, you can own something, create something, see it through. The, entre- the only difference between an entrepreneur just took the risk. And I would say that risk is the scary one. So, so I was a vice president product at a, you know, really healthy software company. To be very honest, to paint a picture of kind of the risk, my wife, former teacher, but we have five kids. So she was at home with the kids. They were ages 10 to two when I took the leap. So for me, the leap uh, really had no net. So it just, uh, she's wonderful and supported me when the idea just totally consumed me. You know, uh, really, I remember it was uh, October of uh, 13 when I told her that I wanted to do this and she was in full support. I did not make the leap till March 1st of 14. And I would recommend this. I did work nights and weekends on the idea, baking it where when I said I'm going and left my other company, I was ready to launch, sell and so forth. And those were the rough days. You know, those were the ones. Those were I would describe. Well, I'll tell you two reasons that they were rough. The first one was there were a lot I didn't know. And remember, when I when I started, I was 37 years old. So things I did know I could do. I knew product. I knew if anyone believed in me to help them define and think through what they should build or ask for any product related advice, I was good there. I had never started a company. I had never sold anything legal you know, running of the finance of a business. These were all new to me. And I was, I was up for those challenges. It's just that as you're trying to like create something, you're definitely learning real time things that you've never done. You know, I would just, just, I've said this a few times before in those early days, like five out of five days would be bad. And if, you know, one out of five days was good, uh, you really had to celebrate that. And there are, you know, certain, I would call that just the savage or the hustle of those early days. I had to get word out about what I was doing. And, you know, and so uh, for being a local service at the time, that was really letting people know what I do. And so a lot of networking, uh, a lot of emotional roller coaster where early on, I, I thought every, I thought every meeting I took was maybe a sales meeting. And that is such a lesson learned. None of them were. <laughs> they're, they're truly, they're marketing meetings. They're basically meetings where I'm conveying what we do uh, and how I could help. Uh, no one's going to sign on the line in, in a coffee, uh, even though I might have walked in hoping. Uh, so those, those early days, I just so many meetings that in hindsight, I made an impression or I made a mark, but I was foolish to think that they would convert to a client. But I will say this, so much hustle and so much me learning what was sticking and what was resonating and rapidly adjusting how I'm either talking about it, um, offerings that would resonate, all the while watching the money, watching the money, because uh, I only had a runway uh, with personal savings to do this for a very short period of time. And I was so motivated by the idea that that is what I knew that every client I got extended the runway that I could be doing this. You know, I might have landed a client that gave me two more weeks to chase this dream and I'd land another. And yeah, just a lot of roller coaster with more bad than good. 
So that that's tough. The loneliness you spoke of it earlier, it's real. And I, I would recommend to anybody. One thing I did is not every meeting I took was uh, marketing or sales related. I would say uh, about a fourth of my meetings in a week were therapeutic, meaning they were for me. Uh, they were either I'm going to meet someone that I'm going to learn from, or I'm going to meet someone that's just maybe a friend that I can maybe just talk about what I'm going through. And those are incredible. The amount of people that were rooting for me and mentors to me and gave me great advice. Uh, I remember those forever. You know, to this day, I can tell you who was the, the impactful coffee meetings that really got me through this or really gave me great advice that I was able to implement that uh, were really game changing moments for the company. Yeah, I would say that, that that period felt like 18 months, but in reality, it was it was at its most intensity the first six months. Once I started to get clients, and by the way, one tough thing for, for, for the Innovate Map vision is this was never uh, Mike Reynolds consulting. So I had a grand vision from the beginning, Daniel, where this was, uh, the, the, what we were going to solve was not going to be exclusively solved by me. So from a brand perspective, I was always trying to build the brand of Innovate Map, meaning when you thought of Innovate Map, you could think of this, but it wasn't just, we could do product. We could also do product design. We also could do go-to-market. And uh, I needed to get that done with a team. I certainly had a team in mind. My first seven hires were the A-team from a primo, but I couldn't afford them until I started getting a book of business that could suggest that I could you know, bring them along. It wasn't just that I had to get out there and uh, it wasn't like a consulting lifestyle business for me. It was, I was building an agency that had the full firepower to be that A caliber product team that a founder would want. And so, you know, it certainly might've started with stuff that myself or my, you know, early founding team could exclusively deliver on, but I had bigger ambition. It was like in those early days, I was trying to sell enough to actually, you know, get to that team of seven, you know, and, and that, that took a while. So even if I were to get some degree of uh, revenue, I was throwing it right back into the business to bring someone else on board. So it, it just, the, the math of it was pretty aggressive for something that was so bootstrapped. Uh, so I would, you always worry about the math of the business, but that, that was, uh, that early stage was pretty, pretty remarkable on that and what, what the toll it took. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you recall, like, first off, let me go back to something you said. And I think like, I typically ask this question at the end, but I, I feel like you already answered it. And that's like, what advice would you give to a young entrepreneur, or young founder that's, you know, or maybe an old, old in age, but like new founder of a business, you know, that is just getting started. And, you know, like, I, I think there's this pressure that we have of like, every meeting has to be about sales and marketing. And if it's not like you're wasting your time and you basically said, no, like you needed to make in the midst of your days and your weeks, you needed to make time for yourself uh, by meeting with people that invested in you and that, you know, were, were cheering you on, encouraging you, pushing you. And I think that's a good word for like younger founders, just because there there is that pressure. And I think it's both internal for most people that are are wired like you to to build something there's you you have that internal pressure and then you have this external pressure whether it's from you know investors or whoever whoever else is there like you must produce ROI and um a meeting with like a mentor or just someone random that you you were introduced to doesn't feel like you know you question that and so 
I, I think that permission is really important. Yeah, two two thoughts on that. One, I would say it's even, you know, being a local service, uh, people are going to certainly want to do business with someone they met or, or that was different. But I say it's actually even more important if you're a SaaS founder, because I, I, I see it can be very easy to justify, you know, being at home or being in your shared space, working on the product. And you have got to get out there and start um, testing with human beings how you're going to talk about it, how you're going to describe it, uh, and meeting with people who have been there, done that. It's, it's just, it's a missed opportunity if you're hunkering down. There's just so much to be learned, and you are not the first person to be down the journey you're at. And I, I'd also add to that, that best practice would be the advice I give now, but I'd also say I have kept it to this day. You know, I make a percentage of my weekly networking uh, to be very much to to get advice. And now the things that are on my mind that I need advice on, that changes. You know, those first 18 to 24 months, it was certainly meeting other entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and, and you know, asking about how, how did you start your company or how did you pick if you're a, you know, an LLC, a partnership or an S corp, or how did you do this math thing and who should I meet? And I'm good on that now, but like now the advice I'm seeking has changed. And the advice I was seeking in 2020 was different. And, but it has always been a great way that I have uh, learned. I w- the reason I would also, value, people learn different ways. Uh, you can like read books and then you've got theory. I personally love networking to learn because I can accelerate uh, that theory through other people's experiences. And, you know, I, I can learn in, three high quality conversations and someone's relevant experiences, what I might be able to learn in, you know, hours of, of, of other media too. And books are great. Podcasts are sensational, but I just, there's nothing, nothing better to me than um, leveraging the learnings or the learning from the failures of other people's experiences. And I, I still do that to this day. Yeah. There, there is such a power in story. Um, and I think about like, one that popped up for me this week was um, I'm trying to get him on the show too, but Brody Meyer. Um, oh yeah, and he, you know, he started Fuse Me during during the pandemic, or excuse me, right before the pandemic. I remember meeting him because he was he would show up to Powder Keg, and the rest of us were in t-shirts, and he would he it's like <laughs> was a young guy from Hi. Butler, like wearing wearing a suit, and I just I'm like I got to go meet this guy because he's got a suit on, a big smile on his face, but you know, he, he basically loses his entire product idea because no, it was all based on in-person interactions, like using, using his app. And then now he's pivoted and Yorko is specifically designed to help similar product in terms of like what it does, but it's helping, you know, people on manufacturing floors, like communicate with, with the office and vice versa. And, and so just like, those types of stories are like, and how he did, how he and his brother Ben did that. Like, that's really what impacts you and w- what you remember a lot more than books. So, yeah. And if you, if you think about him, because he, he's a savage too, he's going to be great. And, and you, you, you see where you will, I, why I love his story too is, is it's a great example of you don't control everything. There will be things outside of your control. You're going to get punched up and how you get back up. And, in your early days to get access to story like his or mine or others of and, and, and be okay with those things will happen. And how'd you get through it? Uh, to just tremendous, you know, fuel for you moving forward. 
Yeah, that's 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 so true. And so I'm I'm thinking about like how you brought on in your early days. You brought on you know the the A team or the dream team. You know, and I know a couple of your team members pretty well. Uh, that partners that have been with you almost since the beginning, and um, and that especially in those early days. I mean, you're all figuring this thing out. I mean, you you kind of see the the best of people and and the worst of people. So, how did you all navigate that back in those early days? Well, it's all about. Those early days, it's all about the people because, it, it, especially with me, because we're being a professional service, our product is our people. But I, the, the, having a, with me, the comment about it's all about the people in those early days, that applies to everyone, SaaS, small business. Uh, and the reason being is they're, they're going to wear multiple hats. Not everything is figured out. You do not have all the answers. And so to find a group of people that will follow you when you have no net, when you don't have all the answers, is very endearing and very humbling. And you got to be good to those people. Uh, you have to be honest to those people. That's the biggest one too. So finally, I mean, these people are taking a leap on you and they're probably following you for one of two reasons. Either you're a leader with which they believe in and they want to be around or your vision and mission is compelling. They, like you, want to see that solved in the world. I would say as a founder, if you can just realize that, if they're following you and your leadership, remember that and be good to them. And if they're following your mission, just continue to reiterate and tie your activities back to that mission. And they'll run through brick walls for you. And so it is all about the people, not just in what you will ask of them, but as good as you can be to them, they will do magical things for you and your business. I had chills just thinking about those moments and those people and and I, that, I guess that never ends. It's just really appreciated in those early days because of the risk. You know, I, I will say that uh, I feel the same way about team members we'd hire today in terms of their belief in, you know, Innovate Maps mission or our leadership team at this point. But at the same time, the principles of being good to them, uh, you know, just even though we might have more established things, we're not in survival mode. You know what I mean? Uh, there are, you know, it's a established brand. We know what works. We know our market. Um, we know our offerings. Those things have been figured out, but it does not change how you should be treating people. Yeah. I think that conflict is probably, especially in those early days, can be make it or break it for for a company like that, how you how you deal with conflict and then how you how you leverage it and walk through it together to figure out what's best, you know, for everybody and for the company. So like, talk a little bit about that. You know, what were, the, what were those conflicts like and what, what, what did you have to value to and do to get through those together? So conflict is the team's friend in those early stage. And, uh, the, the founder, one of the worst traits of founders, and I, they often fail. I know why they fail is when they think they know it all. The best founders that I have seen, their best trait is self-awareness. They will welcome thought unlike their own. So that conflict is not just healthy, it is essential. I don't know any founder that knows it all. And the ones that think they know it all, um, good luck to you. Uh, the, the ones that in a, in a like conflict, healthy conflict is it's coming from a place of care, right? You're not like worried that you're personally or mentally being attacked, but you're putting a problem out and you're collectively going to address it, Right. 
And uh, that has to be done because you just don't know everything in those early days. It, the early days is like, it is rapid pattern recognition. You know, you can't like win a client and assume that's the recipe that's going to work for all of them. You got to win a couple, look at them and say, what's working? Oh, well, that, that one was an exception. They're a friend. <laughs> like, like I can't, I can't draw too many conclusions or I've worked with them before. That's probably why they maybe brought us on board. I, I can't take that and make that my go-to-market strategy. I got to figure out what words work, uh, what offering resonated. And I will just, I intentionally, that's, that's, it's funny that I gravitated to wins. That's a big thing that I would recommend to early founders as well is I chose to focus on what worked rather than overanalyze or scrutinize what didn't. And I think a lot of people will have a sales meeting go bad, for example. And yeah, I have a retrospective on it with a positive attitude, but no, they didn't, they didn't resonate with that. We're not going to, we're going to talk about that anymore. Well, hold on. Just do like, I, I always found it more helpful and to this day do the same thing to focus more on what works and don't dwell so much on the failures. There's plenty of failures and you should pattern, you should learn from them. So there absolutely will be pattern recognition on the failures, but don't dwell on them. And a better one is maybe don't, and over dwelling on them would be making those your strategy. Your strategy should be driven on maybe what's working. Right. Yeah. Good wisdom there. So your your team, I know just from what you shared before we start recording, as well as knowing a few of your team members, I know you've you've done an even deeper dive in that in that self-awareness piece that you mentioned. And you've done that as a team. And so talk a little bit more about why that is so important, why, you know, why you dove into that, chose to make that investment. Yeah. And so in particular, as you grow, you'll notice different chapters. Like I, I can easily describe Innovate Map is we had the survival chapter, the create start up, probably give it an 18 month, first 18 to 24 month time set. And then we had this wonderful chapter where we were we were onto something <laughs> and we were just going to kind of maximize more of the thing that we created and get better at it. Right. And that was a fun stage. It, when we had done that, though, we hit this interesting moment. I, I definitely would describe it at year five or six, where I looked around proudly, very honestly, very emotional. And I said, things that I dreamed of uh, that motivated me during those early days, we've achieved a lot of those. You know, it, it could be silly, fun ones like imagine if we ever had our own office, right? That would drive you in those early days. Imagine if we had a client that believed in us and, you know, used all of our expertise and like hit their outcomes, you know, or imagine if we had referenceable clients. Imagine if we had clients that even exited. Th these things started to happen in year five. And what, what that led me is a lot of the vision that I casted and led the team with the first five years had been achieved. And I had this moment of what's next. And, and I had to, year six was a lot of like vision, revision casting that started with me with a lot of like soul searching of where to take this thing. You know, do we, you know, expand what we do? Do we go new markets? How big of a team do we want to have? What, will that suffer? Uh, what kind of quality of our delivery? Lots, lots of things to figure out. And um, I sought, and once again, thinking unlike my own, uh, and particularly, you know, executive coaching, you know, and, and we have a partner because I'm going to speak very positively. I certainly love plugging their name, but Kai Rosentown and Chip Knighty and his team, incredible, incredible. Uh, they've been an, an 
very important part of the Innovate Map story uh, because of the value. And, and, and I love their philosophy. They start, you know, with the CEO. A lot of uh, maybe coaches uh, that resonate with me. And I also love that Chip himself was a uh, entrepreneur, founder, CEO, and owner. Uh, those are all different roles in my eyes. Uh, and he really understood me. And, and he and his team, you know, certainly helped me. And I, I'll, I'll be very honest, uh, we engaged coaching for uh, a very unique reason. Sometimes I bet people do it to fix things that are wrong. That's not what our problem was. You know, it wasn't like I was a CEO that was like, these areas are broken. I'm hiring you to fix them, fix my team. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. We had a great team. I wanted next level. And I needed to understand what next level could look like. And then what did next level require of me? I not only had never been someone that started a company, but then I'd never been someone that ran a company. This next phase was I've never been someone that like grew or scaled a company. And so, and I didn't even know what that looked like. And it was very important to me that I sought external expertise on that. And, um, and then after that, maybe grew, you know, after I grew, I'm not doing this alone again. I need my team to grow with me. So we were able to extend that to the team, still use them to this day, to be honest with you, because it, you never really do arrive. It's just the next chapter or the next, the next challenge. Um, you know, and, and just to put some years to these things, um, year, uh, you know, seven and 10 of our 10 years, you know, we're 2020 and then, you know, you know, you've got COVID and the, that, all that. And then you have 2023, which the first half was a tech recession. So, I mean, these are, you know, uh, you, you're never done with the challenges. So I've always appreciated, uh, third-party expertise out externalize, um, the other thing that's, that is a value I know that we do with our clients is because we get a bunch of at-bats. So like when, when a client of mine is asking for advice, I'm like, yeah, I'm seeing this at 15 other people I'm working with right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I want to take advantage of that from partners I hire, you know, whether it be my financial partner, whether it be my HR partner or a coach, I want to see what they're seeing, you know, and that's, that's, an, that's an advantage that external partners will bring is they're, they're also working with multi-clients. And so their advice is a little more well-rounded than a, than a uni experience, a single experience. Yeah. So good. So knowing Chip and his teams work very intimately, I know one of the things it's a lot of it's based on this mantra of like the best part of you is also like the worst part of you. And so how would you describe that to be true for for you specifically? Yeah, it's it, it, that is a that that mantra, and, I, and they, it's certainly rooted in a, you know an, an outstanding framework, which is you know Enneagram. I'm not going to get into that, but basically, it, it, if you recall at the beginning where I said um, any massive breakthrough that I have had with my own professional growth has come from a deeper level deeper level of self awareness, and you know in my early days. You know, at a, at a primo, I went through disc, which is pretty simple. It's four things, you know, it's four things and it's very behavioral based. But I also became aware of my strengths and weaknesses and allowed me to be a better leader. And, a, you know, awareness of my weaknesses allowed me to hire for people who had strengths in that. And it, it, like literally, that was that was great. My next leap came with Kairos, where, you know, the Enneagram's significantly more complex. I call it almost like disc on masterclass. It's like nine things and there's nothing that you can see. It's all deep motivators. But but at the heart of it was you have superpowers and strengths and they're great. And they're probably just what is needed 70 to 90% of the time. 
but are you aware when they were not what was needed? <laughs> and and it's not that your superpower is bad. It's actually, once again, your strength. It's just that you need to be mature enough to have a choice that to, to maybe not use that tool at that time and to open up to someone else's strength or um, make the choice to behave uh, in a different way than maybe is your default behavior. You know, I mean, you are who you are and that's probably great. Well, it's great personally all the time, but like in, in, in a business, there are certain times where strengths of mine maybe need to be put in check. I can, I think a great one is, uh, you know, I, I make decisions pretty quickly. Um, I can pattern recognize, make decisions. Some decisions actually should be slowed down, thought through and let other people's contribute to that. And I believe that now, but I always thought it was a great superpower of mine is I can make very quick decisions. And it is. And there are many times in crisis mode, especially where that superpower is absolutely saving the day. But I also know that there are times it's probably, you know, stifling growth of someone else or maybe not listening to an idea that should be included or could be additive or instead of what's in my mind. And uh, just being aware of that when when my superpowers are maybe not what the situation needs has hopefully in my eyes and my team and others made me a better leader. It's certainly, it's certainly I've seen when I've allowed, it's had a better impact on business. I think we make, you know, so that's, that's an example, but that's to take a step back. It's just an example of you're always growing. You know, if you're not, you're probably moving backwards because <laughs> everything around you is moving forward or growing, changing. Yes. Well, what would you say to this objection to that that deep work that you're talking about? Like, okay, Mike, that's that's great. And, you know, I want to do that in my personal life, but our business is so fast-paced and, like, we got to be so focused on the business. That work that you're talking about, that's really deep, slow, and hard work that takes a lot of time. So, and I don't have, I don't have that time to invest in that. So like, what, what would you say to that? Oh, this is good. Cause I have a real story of messing this one up. <laughs> so, uh, I was engaged, we were engaged with, you know, doing that work with, with Kairos. And then in March of 2020 COVID hit. And I, I, I said, I, I got to pause this. I don't have time for this, you know? And I pretty funny, I justified it as like, Hey, I'm like in overtime football game, tie, you know, I'm, I'm like, I just got to, I just got to go off natural skill here. I don't have time to like overthink things. Right. I got to go off. And, 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 uh, um, Chip and I would laugh at this and, you know, I, you know, paused the help for about three months. And then after three months, I was like, I could sure use some help thinking through these things. And, uh, and I, I have a different tune that like, I should have, I should have been, you know, remember back in those early startup days where you were always thinking of help. It, it was probably naive of me. I mean, crazy time just for the record, but naive of me to, 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 to shut off help. Uh, and help doesn't always have to be immediate help. I think it is important to also have some deep thinking time and, um, be strategic. And, um, you know, so, you know, I've, I've felt differently this year, you know, when we've had wacky times, uh, in the tech world this year, I've, I've tried to balance what decisions are urgent and important and what ones are, you know, maybe need to uh, crockpot a little bit and, and have a more thoughtful approach to them. And, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and so it's not, you know, and I would say what we've introduced here at Innovate Map now is that's not exclusively the coach. We've got this terminology ingrained internally. So the majority of the things we're figuring out, 
we're, we're figuring out because I brought my leadership and my team, you know, kind of into, into the, into the thought process with me. Yeah. What you're talking about, I think it's so essential because, um, in, especially in the tech world and the SaaS world that you and I live in, in terms of who, like the primary focus of who we serve, I think there's this ideal, you know, this, the hero is, you know, the person that, you know, was the savage that created something from scratch, you know, got a bunch of money and then exited and made millions of dollars. And, and that's like, that's the hero's journey. And, you know, what we see from like, typically from that, that hero's journey, you know, when you look, you look deep is that there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of damage that in that process that they've done to themselves as well as, as to other people, you, you kind of look behind the curtain of their own personal life as well as like in their business and they leave a lot of damage in their wake. And I think part of the the vision behind this show is like, how, how can we like, and that's why we say to, to Sage, you know, it's like, how can we do this entrepreneurial journey together and, and not in, in a way not do that. But I, you know, you never want to cast a vision like we're not going to do that, but it's like, what are we going to do? And we're, we want to create, you know, successful businesses by like you're describing, have it, having a team that is, that is united, that takes great joy in working, working together and doing that together, knowing like, you know, as we, as we do it together, as we have fun, this is like, it's going to be even more satisfying that we were successful and, you know, didn't create too much damage in our wake, but instead we, you know, like we finished well. As a, as a final thought, because we're getting close in our time, like, how do you think about that? How do you want to, like, finish yourself at, when you think about leaving Innovate Map to the next generation of owners and partners? Yeah, it's great. I, uh, you know, and I love this, the sage word. I, I would say what's very important to me is that personal damage is minimized because at the end of the day, it is still work. I mean, I, I, I personally subscribe. I, I don't live to work. I work to live. I love my family. I love my friends. And, uh, now that could be confusing to people. It's like, boy, Mike, you work pretty hard. Well, no, I, one of the reasons I started my own company is knowing that I'm going to work to live and provide for my family and enjoy a life. I'm going to do something I enjoy. <laughs> so that's, you know, so if I look like I like work, it's because I do. Um, and that, that's, that was very important to me, but I would just say like, it's important to me to just, you know, at the end of the day, just know the, the real why behind doing all this. And I'm certainly as passionate as anybody about what I do, but I don't ever forget why I'm doing it. And then on a professional side, I would say, certainly the next 10 years for us is really, really diving into that why of the company. You know, as we were doing this, you know, there are certain things I recommend you create real early on as a company, like your values and your, you know, that's kind of your who and your, this helps you figure out how to hire and, and then your, your what you got to figure out real quick. Like, what is your product? What is your position in the market? Your why kind of evolves. And, you know, at some point we were all looking at each other and it was year three or four. And I'm like, you know, what do we all share in common that makes us excited to come to work every day? And we codified it and we created our mission. So our official mission statement didn't get created till year four. And we'll lean into that for the next 10 years. You know, we'll, we'll be grounded in our deeper why as a company. And it's really rooted in helping leaders you know, achieve the, 
you know, the, the product vision that, you know, they believe in. Uh, and certainly we want to pick leaders that we believe in that really fills our cup. But I would say that, you know, the, from, from your, you know, Sage comment, it's, it's, it's really loving to love to leave a, a, an impression of great help. Um, you don't pick a professional service if you don't have that mentality and, you know, we'll grow and we'll, you know, create opportunities for our team members because that keeps them, it's part of their growth too. But at a company level, uh, we provide a service and, and, and we have unbelievably talented people and where we can apply that talent to someone who needs it most at a time that they really need it most. That just really is, is a, is a wonderful value exchange and probably minimizes any damage done. If you can, if you stay focused on your personal why and your company's why you're going to be all right. That's a good word to end on, Mike. Thank you so much um, for sharing your heart and your wisdom today with us. And um, if someone wants to get in touch with you and Innovate Map, um, where would you point them? Our website's got all the ways to kind of navigate you maybe to the right place. Uh, pretty active on LinkedIn. That'd be my best advice is, you know, go, go uh, follow Innovate Map. We're, we're really generous about sharing our learning. So, you know, we've got, uh, it's a great Obviously, I'm biased, but it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a proud brand to, for me to point people to because we're very generous with our learnings. Um, you don't have to just engage with us to you know get our expertise and help. But I would say you know a website for information about the company. But if you really want to stay in touch with myself or with Innovate Map, LinkedIn would be the best place. Awesome, Mike. Well, thank you so much for sharing your Savage the Sage journey, and be well. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.